Well, good morning. My name is Mark, and I'm one of the pastors here. Appreciate you being here with us today. If you're visiting, I'd love to get to meet you after the service. That's um, a special song for me for several uh, reasons. I grew up in uh, remembering uh, singing that song uh, a whole lot, but I can remember when I was uh, in seminary in Kentucky, and um, I was trying to graduate a four-year seminary program in three years, pastoring two little Methodist churches along the way, and I can remember having one uh, pretty busy week, and I came to Friday night and Saturday and really had no clue what I was going to say on Sunday morning, and and uh, I can remember God just seemed to, for somehow in some way, and I don't remember how it was, just kind of pressed that song on my spirit, uh, and I was pastoring uh, small churches and uh, filled with mostly elderly people. And uh, the second verse of that song that says, I love to tell the story for those who know it best seem hungering and thirsting to hear it like the rest. And I went out and I went out and uh, that week uh, just preached the gospel uh, and preached the old, old story. And um, uh, this week we're kind of in between series and I wasn't sure on what direction to go for kind of a standalone message before we start our next series. And I thought of that song and I said, well, I can't go wrong just to preach the old, old story. And I can't go wrong to preach the gospel. And, you know, <clears throat> the Bible's not totally full of the old, old story, if you think about it just a second. When, when, I, when I say the old, old story, I mean the gospel. Um, uh, very little of the Bible is actually the gospel on, 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 on how one gets saved and how one goes to heaven. A whole lot of the Bible is that now you are a Christian, this is how you are to live. Now that you are the a people of God, this is how you are to live. In fact, if you had a highlighter and, and, and read, went and highlighted all of the passages that had to do with the gospel of Christ... Jesus coming to save us and forgive us of our sins and dying on the cross. If you highlighted those in red, let's say, and all the other verses that had something to do with like now that you are a Christian or Old Testament, now that you are a person of God, this is how you are to live, and highlighted those in another color, it would be far more of the other color than it would be of the red. And I don't know why that is really so we don't preach the gospel here every, every Sunday as much as bad as that kind of sounds because lots of messages are just practical teaching uh, about the, the Christian life. We, tr we end every single service with an illustration of the gospel, and that's really important. We, we, I try to bring to each service to an end with the cross. The Bible says to proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. But every single if you preach the Bible you're not going to preach the cross every single Sunday. Now, you can get to the cross pretty quickly in most any message that you want to preach, but we at least try to proclaim the gospel, um, the death of the Lord Jesus Christ um, in every single message and bring it to a close that way. So this morning, I'm going to preach the unadulterated, naked gospel of Jesus Christ to you. And Many of you uh, have, have heard it many times before, and I hope you're like those folks in that song, because you love to hear it just like the rest of the folks do. Uh, so, some of you are rejoicing in, in the truth of the gospel. There's, there's a group in here that may have been in church a, a, a long time, and, and you know, 
You've heard it, but you haven't heard it. You know, you've, you've, you, know it, you know that been faithful and preachers down the way have preached this to you, and Pastor Gum preached it, and, and uh, Pastor Dennis preached it, and Pastor Henderson preached it, and all the way through, through the line, you've heard it, but sometimes you hear things but don't hear it, right? And, and so there may be a group of people in here like that, that just for some reason it's never really clicked. The light bulb has never really gone on. And then there are some people that you've never heard it that much. And, 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 and um, you, if I would ask you what the gospel is, in fact, I do when people get in my office many times for spiritual counseling, I say, what's the gospel? And a whole lot of people can't tell me. I've been teaching class before with, with, with students who are preparing for ministry. And I asked them, I said, tell me what the gospel is. And some of them will tell me something that's really not the gospel. So this morning, I just want to, as plainly and as I can, I just want to preach the gospel. And the gospel can be encapsulated, can be summarized in, in, in these words. Good people don't go to heaven. Now, some of you don't like that. And I don't know if I like it, to be quite honest with you. It don't even sound American, does it? <laughs> because here in America, we're supposed to get what you earn and you work hard and you lift yourself up by your bootstraps. And if you live a good life, you ought to have some reward for it at the end, don't you think? And, but, but if I'm honest with you, and the way the gospel is presented in Scripture, I have to be honest with you and tell you that good people don't go to heaven. Now, that's marvelous good news for some of us who know we're not good people. <laughs> That's marvelous good news for those of us that have lived a life that this is not very good on whatever kind of scale you want to measure goodness, and I don't know where that scale is, but that's glorious good news. But for, for other people, that's, 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 that's bad news because if, if good people don't go to get to heaven, you're thinking, well, how am I going to get there? I'm trying hard and... And how, how are you supposed to be able to make it? If, 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 and Because we like to be in control of ourselves, don't we? We like to be in control of our own destiny, especially us that are guys. We like to be in control of our own destiny. If I want to go somewhere, I want to make it happen. And, and uh, let me tell you, and, and as we as guys and, and, and females too, we can make it happen. And, and you know, what, what's that saying that we say sometimes? If it's going to be, it's up to me or something like that. And, and, and we're we just going to make it happen. But if I can't be good enough, that means that there's some other kind of scale out there or there's some other kind of measurement out there that I may have to depend on someone else. And for those of us like me that like to just be in control of things I, and I can't earn it, I can't be good enough, I can't work hard enough, because you know what? I'll outwork you. I will. If, it's, if it just comes down to working, I'll outwork you. I'll get there earlier than you will. And I'll stay later than you will, if it's just about that. But, but you can summarize the gospel with the fact that, that, that good people don't go to heaven. And that's why many people, that's why the Bible says that, um, the gospel is foolishness to a lot of people. The gospel is foolishness. Because it's the most commonsensical thing in the world to say, you know, at the, at the end of the way... You get to the end of your life and you get what you deserve. That's kind of common sense. That, that no one would bat an eye at that. That makes sense to it. That's, that, that appeals to our sensibilities. 
And I don't know how many funerals you've been to, but I mean, that's the way it is in most funerals. I mean, people, people sit around and it was a, he was a good old Joe and he's, he's gone to a better place and, and, uh, you know, and he gets to see his wife again and he gets to see his family again. And, and without mentioning anything of the fact on whether Jesus was involved in that or not, the whole world can buy into that good people type of syndrome. There's, there's, a, there's a story in John chapter 3 if you have your Bible. And if you don't, uh, there's Bibles close to most of our doors here. If you don't have a Bible, you take one home with you. That's our gift to you. If you know someone that doesn't have a Bible, take one of them, give it to somebody, make us buy some more of those. And uh, in John chapter 3, there's a really important story. And, I, you know, who am I to be able to say what stories are more important than any other in the Bible? But I would have to say this is one of the most important ones. I guess there are probably some stories some parables, some things that Jesus did. Maybe if you left that out, there wouldn't be kind of a hole in the Bible. But I feel like if you left this one out, there'd be kind of a hole in the Bible. If you left out, uh, you know, about the first 17, 18 verses of John chapter 3. Because it's there that we have a man by the name of Nicodemus who comes to Jesus, who thinks he's good enough, who has been raised all of his life to believe that he was good enough and just had to be good enough. And he comes to Jesus and he asks some questions for Jesus. And the Bible starts in, in John 3, 1. Now there was a Pharisee. He was a member of the Jewish ruling council. Okay, that tells you something about him. He was a religious man, uh, a very religious man. People had religious questions. They wouldn't ask him. He was looked at as an expert. He walked around in his religious clothes. He was honored because he was religious. He was looked up to. He was respected. He was an important dude because he was a Pharisee. But he was also a member of the Jewish religious council. I could take five minutes and bore you and tell you what that meant. But that just meant he was kind of elite of the Pharisees. Okay? And he was in this special class. And so this is an important guy. This was an important guy that came to Jesus and his name was Nicodemus. Okay? Verse 2. He came to Jesus, the Bible says, at night. Now, the, the verse would not be any difference at all if, if, it, if, it, if that little phrase, at night, was not in there, okay? If it just says, he came to Jesus and said, da-da-da-da-da, I'm not sure we would miss anything of this whole teaching. So th there has to be a reason that God inspired John, the writer, to be able to include that little phrase, at night. You, you see, uh, Pharisees came to Jesus in the daytime all the, all the time. And, and they came, the Bible says many times, to trip him up in his words, right? And we see that a lot in, in, in the Gospels. They came to ridicule him. They came to make fun of him. They came to try to make him look bad in front of all his followers. Ask him a question that he couldn't answer. And if he can't answer it, how can he really be who he says it is? We're trying to make him look bad. And they came to him in the daytime for all of that reason. But here Nicodemus comes to him at night, okay? And he came to him at night, and, and I'm, I know I'm reading between the lines on this, but I think I'm right. Because if his other Pharisee friends saw him to talking at Jesus at night, that wouldn't be too cool. Uh, I saw him talking to Jesus, period. So he came at night to talk to him, and I, I really believe he had some serious questions that he wanted to ask. He, if he just wanted to make him look bad and trip him up in his words, he would have come when a lot of other people were around him. But he came to Jesus at night. And I think he came to Jesus at night because he literally had some real spiritual questions to be able to ask him. He calls him rabbi. He honors him. He says, rabbi, we know that you're a teacher has come from God. He honors him. Okay. He's, he's, 
he's, he respects him, or at least he's trying to make Jesus think that he respects him. He calls him a teacher. Okay, he didn't, evidently didn't think he was the Messiah. He didn't think he was the Savior. He didn't think he was the Son of God. He didn't think in the mystery of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that he was God himself. He just says, you're a good teacher. A lot of people call Jesus teacher. He honors him and says, Rabbi, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. I heard one old preacher a long, long time ago say, said Nicodemus had it backwards. He's not a teacher who's come from God. He's God who came to teach. That's pretty good, isn't it? I've never heard anybody else say that in my life. Old Baptist, I heard an old Baptist preacher say that one time. He had it backwards. He's not a teacher who's come from God. He's God who came to teach. But I don't think there's any way that Nicodemus understood that. For no one, I've been watching you. You've turned water into wine. You've healed blind eyes. You've, you've, you've cleansed the lepers. You have... Um, You've taken uh, loaves and fishes, and you have fed multitudes. You have raised the dead, and no one could be able to do these things unless God was with them. Now, so he says some really nice things. And if we were going to, if we go talk to people, we do that. We, and I don't know if it's if it's buttering them up or not, but it's you know you you pay them a compliment, and he's doing that. So he he has respect for this person. And then Jesus comes in verse three. And Jesus has this knack all through the Gospels of reading people's mind, knowing what people are going to say before they, say, before they actually say it, knowing what their motive really was, knowing what their intent really was. So Jesus just cuts right to the chase and knows what's on Nicodemus's mind and said, Nicodemus, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Now, John 3.3 Taken out of the scriptures, that changes some things in scripture. This is a huge, important scripture for us. To this man who thought he was good enough, to this man who was, listen now, this, this is, and I never really got this before this week. This man who was born a Jew, who thought by his Judaism, who thought simply by his Jewish lineage, who thought simply that, he, that his grandfather was a Jew and his great-grandfather was a Jew, that he's in the line of Abraham, that thought just by that he was the chosen people and that God, he was going to go to heaven just by that. This man that was born one way, he said, this, I never thought of it this way, this way before. This man that was born this way, he said, you got to be born again. Being born just as a Jew, is not good enough, Nicodemus. You have to be born again. And that's, that's a whole different slant on what we understand, that born-again terminology. And you hear people you know, put down that born-again terminology. Are you born again? You're a bunch of born-agains at that church. And some people really make fun of that. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of um, disagreement or a lot of confusion on really what born-again means. But in this context... Wow, he was talking to a Jewish person who felt like that because he was born a Jew, he was in the in crowd. He said, you need to be born again. You need to have a new start. You don't need to rely on your fleshly birth. You've got to have another birth. Okay? Born again could be equally translated as good as born from above. In fact, this very same words in other places in Scripture are translated born above. And you see similar words, not the exact same, translated as new birth. 
So this is just not a one-time shot here. That's the only place you see this. And he says to this man who was, thought he was born in the right crowd, who thought he was born, his, his, the, the very fact that he was a Jew was going to be good enough and put him ahead of everybody else. He says, you who have been born in the in crowd, you've got to be born again. You've got to be born again. All right, where we go from here? Verse 4. And then he just, Nick James is a smart guy, but I just think he's just talking out loud here. You know, he, he honestly didn't think that he could go into his mother's womb a second time. He's a smart guy. He didn't think that. But he's just trying to talk out loud and process that. And he says, how can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. And, and surely they cannot, and, and I imagine him, I don't know that he did this, but I imagine him this way. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb. Can they? And it's, I, I just think he was, man, he was just open. He was, he was seeking. He didn't refute these words. He, he, he didn't get mad. He just kind of was questioning and, and, and opening up. And Jesus pours it on that much harder. In verse 5, he says, listen, man, I told you once, and I'll tell you again. You've got to be born again. Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God Unless they are born of water and a spirit. And water, spirit, you know what? We really don't know what that means. Some people think that's the difference between a fleshly birth because the baby's in the, the water breaks and the baby's born with a gush of water. And some people think that's a, that's a distinguishing between a fleshly birth and a, a spiritual birth. But some people think that's just saying water and spirit. It's the same thing because water in Scripture talk about spiritual cleansing. We really don't know what water means in that context. And that's as, that's as honest as I can be. But he says, you've got to be born again of water and of the spirit. Verse 6, flesh gives birth to flesh and spirit gives birth to spirit. And in verse 7, don't be surprised that I told you this. I heard, heard a preacher who went to uh, the big uh, first church downtown and, and it was a very sophisticated church and everybody there was in... And, um, had real good jobs and they're very sophisticated, well-respected people in the community and higher-ups in the community. And so um, uh, he went to this church and the very first Sunday he preached John 3, 3, you must be born again. And the people started grumbling. We'd never heard preaching like this before. They don't who would think us that we've got to be born again because we're, apps, you know, look at us, we're educated, da-da-da-da-da-da. And so they were grumbling to him after the service and he came back on Wednesday night and he, and he preached 3, 7. You shouldn't be surprised that I tell you. You must You must be born again. I had a guy one time, I was trying to work with him, and he says, you know, Mark, I just haven't, you know, I tell him about when I was saved and all that. He said, Mark, I just haven't had the epiphany that you had. You know, you talk about just, man, things changed in your life, and da-da-da, and it was, you know, and I did. I had kind of a radical salvation. But do you know what? The radicalness of my salvation is not the norm. Can I, as I look through Christianity now for, for over 20 years, most people don't have a Damascus Road, death to life, uh, one night just doing all kinds of horrible sin and getting saved on a Sunday morning and then your life just changing absolutely on a dime. A, a lot of people don't, don't have A lot of people are like my wife, Sue, who was saved at her mother's bed at six years of age. And she's a product of Sunday school. 
And she's a product of a Christian home. And she didn't have a testimony like I had. Now, that doesn't mean her testimony is any worse. But she didn't have this Damascus Road, absolutely life changed on a dime type of testimony. And if I would have us stand up here and say, how many of you, when you got saved, it was that radical life to death Maybe it had an altar, but your life changed on a dime. You know what? Some of you would stand up. And I, I know who some of you are. And I would stand up with you. But you know what? Most of you wouldn't. So this born again thing, this conversion, this becoming a Christian is not synonymous with this life changing super experience. It may be like my wife at the age of five or six, whatever she was, just at her mother's bed. And she's walked with Jesus all along. I wish I had that testimony. And all of us that would stand up right now and talk about how deep in sin we were, we all wish we had that testimony too. Because how far we fell in sin, that messed us up. In some ways, we still pay consequences for some of that stuff. You see, my, my wife, let's be honest, my wife has lived a pretty good life. She's not anything done real horrible. I mean, she burned the biscuits the other day, but I mean. <laughs> you know who the hardest people to get saved? good people good people and I'm here to tell you as I've already told you that good people don't go to heaven that's that's the gospel in a little sentence good people don't go to heaven but many people's goodness keeps them from heaven I heard a guy tell a story. You know, you know how preachers are, and we can exaggerate our stories like anybody else. So I'm taking this at face value. But right, Mike? I'm not okay. All right. Um, well, not that, that I could say Harold too, because either okay, not just Mike. Okay. So the preacher tells a story that he gave an altar call, and a judge in town responded to the altar, and right next to the judge, a few feet found, down from the judge, was a guy that just got out of prison that the judge sent to prison. They didn't come to the altar together. Uh, they came separately. And so you had the judge right here, and down here you had the guy that just got out of prison that that judge sent to prison for X amount of years. And so the preacher was up here and saying, wow, that's, that is fascinating. That's fascinating. And so the service was over, and it ended up the preacher and, and, the, and the judge were walking the parking lot together. And the preacher says, do you know who you were kneeling next to? And the judge says, yeah. Yeah, I know said, uh, that's a miracle of, miracle of grace, isn't it? The preacher said, wow, it sure is. And they kept walking a little bit longer, and the judge says, I'm not talking about him. He says, I'm talking about me. He said, because I was raised in Sunday school, raised in a Christian family, had the best of everything. 
college scholarship to a great school, graduated, went to law school, passed the bar, successful lawyer, now a judge, respected person in the community, wears a robe to work. And it really took grace for me to see my need for Jesus. You good people. You're the hardest people to get saved many times. Bob Merkel's in the first service, and he goes, um, Mark Tuesday, it'll be a year. And I know what he meant. His son overdosed on something a year ago, and we buried him right here. Well, we didn't bury him here. We had his funeral here. <laughs> and... Um, He says, I praise God for the gospel, he says, because it was easy for Sean to understand it because he knew he wasn't good. <laughs> he knew he needed forgiveness. And Sean struggled badly with heroin for about 18 years of his 34 years except the time he was in prison for theft, trying to steal money to buy more heroin. But he says, Sean understood the gospel because he could identify as not really being a good person and really needing Jesus. Being, what I'm trying to tell you is, being good, your goodness can be a hindrance you come into Christ. Most of you won't know the name D.J. Kennedy. Some of you will remember he pastored Coral Gabriel, uh, Fort La uh, Presbyterian Church in Fort Lauderdale. And I heard him say something one time in a prayer at the end of the service. And at, as given the invitation, and he, says, and he said something like, I'm not going to remember exactly right, would you let people throw off any supposed goodness of their own? Would you help people throw off any supposed goodness of their own? Good people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people go to heaven. Forgiven people go to heaven. Stop Stop, stop it, stop it right now. Don't ever do it again. Stop trying to be good enough. Right here and today, stop it. Now, listen, don't stop trying to be good because the Bible has a lot to say about good living, but stop trying to be good enough. You know the difference? It's great to live a, want to be able to live a life, and, and that comes along with, with, with being a Christian. I want to live a life that's pleasing to God, but stop trying to earn it. Stop trying to be good enough, because when will you ever get good enough? Where, where is that system written down somewhere? How would I ever know? Where is the list of things I have to do? Just tell me where it is, and I'll do it faster than the rest of you will. Tell me where that system is that I have to be good enough. 
and tell me where I am on that scale. So I need to know right now, have I already done good enough or, or do I need to do some more good? What are those things? Who made those things? Where is that scale? That whole system collapses because it makes no sense whatsoever. Because no one knows who's good enough. No one knows the, 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 where that scale is. So no one has any insurance. What, what are the, one of the telltale signs of a good enough Christian is if you ask them, if you die tonight, will you go to heaven? And their response will be, I hope so. And I always will tell them with a smile on my face, I said, I want you to leave this office with, I don't want you to leave it with a hope so faith. I want you to nail it down. Because that's the gift that God gives us, and we can know that we know that we know. We don't have to have a hope so faith. If, if, I'm, if I'm a good enough kind of guy, I always have a hope so faith because I never know if I've been good enough. And can I say something reverently or uh, try to say it politely? It won't come out polite. Let me tell you, if you're, if you're a good enough person, that's just about the most ignorant thing you could be because you don't know what good enough means. You, you have no clue what that means. You don't know how good you have to be. Oh, I tell you how, I tell you, I tell you how you figured it out. You have your own scale in your head. And everybody has their own scale in their head, right? And Mike has his own scale, and Becky has her own scale, and Bob's got his own scale, and Jody's got her own scale, and Rodney's got his own scale, and we all got different scales. What's that? So Jesus talks Nicodemus through all this and says, Nicodemus, you, what's born of the flesh is flesh, and what's born of the spirit is spirit. You, I truly, truly, I tell you again, you must be born again. And Nicodemus says something that really makes me think that he's a real seeker and he's inquiring. He says in 3.9 of, of John, he says, how can this be? Could I have been... Could, could I have been... All these years, could I have been... Maybe, no way, I've been wrong? How can this be? Or maybe the how can this be would be like me. Is a, There's just no way it could be that simple. You've got to pull yourself up by the bootstraps. I've got to... I've got to give money to the church. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. I've got to, got to, got Hey, there's nothing in life. I know that nothing in life is a free gift. I know that. We learn that every single day. So we say, when the preacher preaches the gospel, the naked, unadulterated gospel, we say, how can this be? This is unlike anything I've ever heard before. I mean, the gospel is scandalous. It's scandalous. And that's why people miss it. It doesn't appeal to our sensibilities. It doesn't appeal to our sensibilities. How can this be? It, it can't, you can't. 
hate to give me this gift. And the only thing I must do is, is, is receive it and accept it and believe. Not in my own works, but in what you've done for me. I can't. How can this be? How could I have missed it? Could I have missed something this easy? And then later on down the passage, we get the first verse that some of us all memorized. You know, for God so loved the world that he gave. That he gave. That he gave. That he gave. It's a gift. He gave it. Here, I'm giving you this. That he gave his only, one and only son. And whosoever shall believe in him will not maybe have eternal life. Will have. Will inherit. You can know it today. You'll have eternal life. You can leave here walking today and get hit by a bus and you can be okay because you have eternal life. Do I have any good enough people in here today? If you do, you've got some people in Scripture you'd identify with because in Mark chapter maybe 10, uh, there's a man that's called the rich young ruler. He comes to Jesus and says, what good thing must I do to inherit eternal life? That's a great question. He was a spiritual seeker. What good thing must I do to inherit eternal life? You good enough people would, 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 would he's your spiritual brother, man. You get, you get him. And then in Matthew chapter 9, Jesus says something that just shakes us all up. He says, you know, I, I didn't come for the good people. I didn't come for those that are just operating all on, on all six cylinders, man. I about said eight cylinders. We don't have too many eight cylinders. Used to have eight cylinders when I was a kid. We don't have too many eight cylinders anymore. We're operating on all cylinders, okay? I didn't come for the healthy people. I came for the people that know they're not good enough. These healthy people over there, man, they got it on their own. They got it going on over here, man. They're just chugging on their own. They got it going on. These people right here, man, they know they need me. I've come for the people that know they need help. And the, the scripture continues, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I've not come for the righteous. I've come for the sinners. Man, stop, stop, stop with the good enough. You aren't and never will be unless somehow you decide in your mind you are. And then if that's the case, you've not submitted to God's righteousness, you've submitted to the righteousness of your own that you're dreaming up in your own head. Don't stop being good Stop trying to be good enough. I saw a YouTube video. Somebody was in an airport, and it looked like they'd been traveling for hours and hours, and they were on an escalator, and they were on the escalator going the wrong way, and the video was for over a minute, and there they were walking on the escalator. They had all their baggage, and they were just walking the wrong way on the escalator, not making any, any progress whatsoever. Didn't even, like, didn't even recognize it, you know? That's what you're doing if you're on the good enough thing.
Not this. How you ever going? You're not making any progress. How you, how, you, how you know what's good? Define good. There's not a scale that you balance out bad works with good works. There's not any kind of scale. But if there was one, if there was one, and you believe and trust in what Jesus has done for you, you don't step on that scale, Jesus would. Now, you can be one of them people if you want to that, you know, you got some good things, you got some bad things, you kind of hope the good's outweighing the bad, and you, I, you can want to, if you want to, go ahead and step on that scale yourself. Go ahead. But for the rest of us that know we're not good enough, I want Jesus to step on it for me. Because it was his goodness that I'm trusting in. I've just preached for over 30 minutes, and this two-and-a-half-minute video will far do more in two-and-a-half minutes than I've done in 30. Can we show that, Karen? Next File please mm -hmm. Some lying Some stealing And some acts of kindness here and there I tried to live a good life Well, let's see how good This way. Next. Bio, please. Okay, I admit it. I did a lot of bad things. Yes, I see. But I've done good things too, you know, to offset the bad things. Like one time I cheated on a test, but then I cleaned up trash in the park. Mm-hmm. That should balance out, right? Let's find out. This way. That should have balanced out, right? It should have balanced out. Next. Bio, please. Impressive. Oh, yeah. I devoted my entire life to making this world a better place. I dug wells in Africa. I donated blood every month. And I ran an orphanage in India. I mean, I just wish I could have done more. Mm-hmm. And is this your subscription? I only read the articles. I only read the articles. Next. My mom goes to church. I was baptized as a baby? Take American Express, right? Next. File, please. Whoa. Somebody's been busy. Well, let's get this over with. Sorry, um, I didn't know he was with you. Okay, step on the scale. Not you. Him. Hey, wait a minute. That is totally not fair. That's why it's called grace.
next. Praise God. But some of you good enoughers are saying, how can this be? I've done my best today to preach the naked gospel to you. And as always, the ball's now in your court. Are you going to accept that, believe it, lean on it, or are you going to leave here again trying hard to be good enough? It's your call. It's your call. Our servers are coming to the table, and we remember each Sunday the shed blood and broken body of the Lord Jesus Christ, who was good enough. And as you stand in line to receive that today, uh, stand in line knowing that you are not good enough, but there's one that was. Would you lean hard, all your weight, on him? Father, I pray now in Jesus' name that you'll settle on us. And there are some people in here or people listening on the internet that need to do eternal business. That need to throw off any supposed goodness of their own and cling to what your son Jesus has done for them. I pray you'd give them the grace to see that they're not good enough. In Jesus' name, amen.